Welcome to the Fennel Shooting Podcast. Fueled by Fioki, the industry standard that champions trust. If you're a clay target shooter, then we have something for you. Speaking with some of the best in the industry about the game you're passionate about. Follow us at The Clay Lab on YouTube and Spotify. The Fennel Podcast is also brought to you by The Clay Lab, Ranger, Kriegoff International, Briley Manufacturing, Long Range, Rainier Shotgun Sports, Mech Outdoors, Greenwood Custom Stocks, Electronic Shooters Protection, and Westside Sporting Grounds. Here's your host, Will Fennel of The Fennel Shooting School. everybody here we are this is the first this is the inaugural fennel podcast and uh here in sharon south carolina and i am honored to call the person who's one of my inspirations in this endeavor mr johnny carter from tgs outdoors in lovely old england um he is the youtuber extraordinaire what 160 something thousand subscribers whoop whoop yeah baby uh, former gunsmith, Full yeah, retired, retired, retired from gunsmithing at the age of twenty-two or something, <laughs> um, and now he's a professional shooter and professional shooting YouTuber. How about that? Saying professional shooter makes it sound like I have any level of talent. Well, <laughs> I appreciate it. It's okay. I've seen it. I get it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but you do get to go to shoots and you do get to go have a good time and Full you get to play with the coolest shotguns. That counts for a huge amount, Leo. I'm told that to be good, you need to shoot just one gun, a bit like you. And then you'd be like, good. That's the key to success is to not really enjoy guns. It's not a bad start. It's not a bad start. But sometimes you got to shoot other guns. I probably shoot 10 or 15 different guns a week because I'm always having a demo with some student's gun or something. So I get it. When you play with a lot of different guns, sometimes you forget what old Betsy feels like. It is. It's a difficulty, right? It's interesting. So you will pick up your student's gun just, what, to see how they feel? No, they'll be struggling with a target. And um, it is surprising. There are some people that no matter what you do, they don't get it. But there's also a surprising number of people, if you demonstrate what the shot should look like, they pick up on it and it helps a lot. So I'll take their gun and it might be a left-handed, you know, youth model, 26 inch barrel, 20 gauge semi-auto or something. I mount it once or twice. I kind of figure out how to make it work and I can break a target. Um, Some, like I said, you can instantly tell from the look on their face, whether that helps them or not. If it doesn't help them, don't do it anymore. But if they go, Oh, you mean move the same speed as the bird, even though you just said move, 26 times, move the same speed as bird, they get it. It's helpful. So, yeah, I probably shoot anywhere from 10 to 20 different guns a week. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's tough. It's 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 a new skill. There should be like sporting clays variety. You know, they do the ski. (laughs) A different gun at every station. Yeah, the different gun at every station. Suddenly, that's really good for sponsorship because suddenly all the sponsors we want to buy the stations. Yeah. We've just revolutionized the sports, mate. I did shoot a five stand one time at a charity event that Holland Holland sponsored. And they had everything from a 410 side by side to a paradox gun to all this stuff in there. And they had a different one in every booth and you had to shoot them. Did you win? Uh, I broke two of guns. 
<laughs> I have nothing to say about Holland and Holland in that case. I'll keep everything to myself. Well, to be fair, they'd been shot all day by a bunch of different people. Yeah, but those it's it'll be like taking a brand new Lamborghini and letting fifty people rag it around the track yeah, and expecting yeah. not 50, to be shot. fifty school kids to rag it around the track. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you know, you're famous over here much more than you realize. Your name comes up in conversation a lot. During lessons. Interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Because, yeah. I, you know, we were, I mean, we did a bit together at Nationals this year, but before that, we weren't on camera together. That's interesting. No, no, it's not me. It's you. You do good videos. You do good YouTubes. And people are hungry for information out there. That is and true. And they find you. That's why you've got so many gazillion followers. Do you have a kind of breakdown on how many of your subscribers are domestic to you and how many are different countries? I tell you what, I'm going to do that right now whilst we talk. I, um, I, views changes video to video. I don't actually have a subscriber count for what or where people are from, but we're going to have a quick look now. I know for a fact that video to videos on average, you're looking at 40% American market now. Yeah. Crazy. This is interesting videos, bang. Yeah. So yeah, 40% America, 25% UK. I remember when those stats were the other way around. Yeah. Canada, 5%. Who knew there's, there's nobody up there. With guns. Well, it's too cold for internet service up there. That must mean the entire population of Canada watches TV. <laughs> and the entire population of Australia, because that's 5% as well. Yeah. Uh, but I can't subscribers. Where is there? Is there a button for seeing where subscribers are from? No. No, but just that 40% number is pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, you need to come over more often for your people. You see, I think that is true. I don't disagree with you. The problem is America's really far away. I don't know if you know that. Well, if you get it's on like a plane, a convenient flight. you get on a plane over there, it lands over here. That is true. The, All you got to do is one walkway. Like, you go to the West Coast. I'm like, that's like, that, that is, I'm... That's a long way away. The West Coast is a long way. The East Coast, <laughs> I can get to New York in seven and a bit hours. New York is good. Yeah. You start, like, Texas Nationals, that's 12 hours on a plane. That's only a long old stint. Yeah. Why don't you just fly to Charlotte or Atlanta and get and the car and ride around? Forever. Just stay yeah. forever. <laughs> or just ride around. I wouldn't be against staying forever. Yeah, be absolutely. Nice. If your country was friendlier to, you know, immigrants. Like me, <laughs> just come. There's this border. You just walk across. Um, so, <laughs> so what do you feel like coming over to the states? Is kind of do you think that forty percent has grown because you've been coming to the states, or do you think I think it's just because people in the states are hungry for more shooting 100%. info? And I mean, from what we've seen, we've only been coming there for a year and a bit. The nearly two years now, actually. American sport and clay market is growing massively, and the appreciation of fine shotguns is growing massively. More importantly, there isn't that much content out there. We've now produced our stuff to a level that I think Americans will tolerate me being British. I think that's the truth of it. Like The quality of the videos is now good enough for people to go, it's okay, he's British, but we're going to watch because it's <laughs> no, a Sasha, Sasha has improved things. Sasha and by the way, folks, I really player. tried to get Sasha tonight, but he was busy. So... You know, I mean, I am a happily second-rate TGS member next to Sasha. <laughs> hands down, the hardest working, most talented dude out there. He is worthy of having on your podcast. I well, I'm a good standing. <laughs> yeah, no, I. That's a good question. 
Since our first visit, I was so amazed by how much effort you guys put into the events. That US Open was so wild. And then coming to Nationals and seeing that, that was off the chain as well. Like Year on year, the two years we went, that was even better the second year. We don't do that over here. And I think the professionalism and the quality that you guys put out, obviously, kind of inspires more people to get into it and to get better because there's a point in getting better. And I, I don't expect it will be long until there's an American channel that comes up and bites us in the ass and puts us back in our place. And I look forward to that day for sure. Jeremy just perked up on the couch over there. I mean, he needs to. That boy needs to <laughs> quit his job. Stop saving the world. Stop being a hero. Stop hitting the gym and, you know, being a hunky model calendar yeah. soldier. Yeah. No, it's um, it, it, the sport is growing crazy over here. I mean, we had at my home club, Rocky Creek Sporting Clays, the other day, oh, three weeks ago or something. They had 760 school kids Goodness. for a one-day tournament. They had eight-something pre-registered, but it was 38 degrees Fahrenheit and raining. So a few didn't show up. They still had 760 or 790 kids. So when we, and the other thing to remember, Johnny, when we have a youth tournament, it's not 760 people because mama comes, daddy comes, Uncle Joey comes, baby sister comes. They had over 3,000 people on the property for a one-day, 100-bird event. Is that kids trying to get scholarships? Is that the point? Is that why youth shooting is so popular over there? Uh, you know, you get a – I got kids that get scholarships, but it's not – they get their shooting free. It's not like they're getting their education free. They're, the scholarships aren't that big for Interesting. Them. But no, the high schools have teams. The freaking churches have teams. The private schools have teams. The churches have shooting have teams. teams. Yeah. I could definitely get into church more if there was a shooting team. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you know, when you come over again next time, if we can target one of those shoots for you to see, you'll be blown away. I mean, they have. We have the youth shoots that are over a thousand kids. That is crazy to me. That's From about eight, nine, ten years old to seventeen, eighteen. Do you think America so they, is a nation of sportsmen? Like you guys take sports so seriously. We like shooting. It's a nation of shooting for sure. Yeah, <laughs> the nation of shooting. <laughs> what a tagline for the USA! Should I have that on the border control when you come? Thinking in? about putting on my vest or something. If I ever wore a vest, I'd put that yeah, on my vest. Yeah, it. I'm proud Mark to represent the shit. nation of shooting shit. In That's right. Well, I mean, you know what? I will say this: uh, flipping it back on you, I have always been amazed when I come to the UK. You know, there's a lot more shooting in the UK than most Americans realize. Yeah, we get a lot of comments like that, and it's always funny. I didn't think you'd own guns in the UK. Well, evidently you can. Yeah, yeah apparently so. Fine. There's this channel called the TGS. Um, but no, there's a lot of people that think you can't. And, and mm, a lot of people think you can't because they're thinking in terms of handguns. Yeah, you and you can, can own handguns, handguns over here, obviously, but it's um, it's a lot of paperwork. And there's a lot more rifles than most people realize. Oh, a huge amount. And um, fairly easy to own a shotgun. Extremely easy to own a shotgun. Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, of course, yeah. not as easy as it is over there. Like you just and need to there's have a plenty pulse. of game shooting and pigeons and rabbits and yeah. You know. Like we are a 
we're not a country of gun lovers by any standard, but we have a good corner of gun loving, more Absolutely. so than many European countries, which is nice. And yeah. you know, our sporting clays, as much as I dog on it, our events might be less grand, but I think mm. within a two-hour drive of my house on a Sunday, I could go to 10 different registered events. Exactly. And so- it- there's the nothing microscope. there's nothing to complain about shooting clays in the UK. I mean, from our point of view, <clears throat> from my point of view, going to the UK to shoot clays is being a golfer and going to Scotland. Okay. I mean, it's it's the pilgrimage, it's the motherland. It's where you go to do it the way it's been done. And um, I love the way tournaments are run there. Yeah, we yeah, bigger events and yeah, more you vendors. Throw a whole and, bag of glitter and tinsel. And we throw a lot of events that weekend, you know, where y'all just typically have the main event or maybe you have yeah, sport yeah. trap on the side. Um, but there's a lot of pros, man. The target quality, I feel like, uh, is a different challenge. It's um, a very different gravy. Yeah, it's a very different challenge. Uh, I love, basically, as much as I love my Can-Am, uh, side-by-side, shooting without golf carts all over the range is, is a pleasure. Uh, as long it's as a, it's a quainter event for sure. I do also love your Can Am. <laughs> yeah, sure. But you know, you couldn't have an event like our US Open if everybody walked. No. You, I mean, you, you couldn't get from FITAS to the to the sub gauge fast enough. You know, it yeah, might be the, two miles. The World English did a great job with ferrying and bugging people around or minibussing people around. Yeah. There's something about the self reliance of a buggy that's pretty cool. Yeah, sure. yeah. Plus, you can have a cooler, which hey, means you can have adult beverages at the end of the event, only at the end. Only at the end, yeah. No, do not ever dare have yeah, a drop right. of alcohol past your lips whilst that's the right. may still be in your hand. <laughs> that's a cultural difference right there. <laughs> that's right. Um, so I think coming to the States has been good for TGS. Yeah, for sure, man. Just a quick question. How do you see that target difference? I mean, I know what my thoughts are from my experiences. How do you see it's a different if, if we've had this talk it's a different set of skills and a lot of it goes all the way back to hunting traditions we shoot a lot of flushed game so we shoot a lot of quartering away birds right you shoot driven birds and big crossing birds y'all generally throw targets faster because you can because the clays over there are substantially stiffer so you can put more spring on it without having the breakage. Not just the clays. Mm-mm. And um, we throw a lot more curl, a lot more curvature, a lot more Shondelli looking, a lot more, you know, things with no line that drives the average Englishman batshit crazy. Er, Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you take an average American and you throw a all black crosser in the sky off a tower or off a ridge at 50 yards. And they completely freak out because they immediately think it's 80 yards and it's black. And Oh my God, will it's black. How do I shoot it? It's black. I can't, you know, it's racist. Um, but (laughs) the orange dome shit can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, but if you throw it in a thicket, orange is pretty good. Oh yeah. But it just looks like a midi because you can't see the black ring. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So it's it's a challenge both ways. And I've literally come to the UK and shot for a month and come home and be flustered because I'd kind of forgot what I was supposed to do over here. And then I, you know, and I don't go to the UK for a year or so and I go back over and it takes me two or three days of warming up to get used to bigger lead and 
black edgy targets in the sky and all the things. So it's just a different set of challenges. And I think to be, you know, stand on the world stage, you got to be able to handle both. I think that's fair. That's a really fair shout, right? Given the world English bounces back and forth, you do need your game. Absolutely. Although, like like any sport, playing on your home ground and your home stadium, it should be an advantage, and that's fine. But not always. Not always, because then the target setters go, oh, well, we need to do this because they're here, and you know, it just gets all lost in the middle. And, you know, Jamie Peckham's targets were awesome. I felt like last year at Churchill's, I think Matt Arise's targets this year are going to be awesome at M&M. And I, I just he's importing – a little bit of English help to help them set up, or is that? Uh, that's the World Fitas. Okay. They're bringing Jamie over to help with the World Fitas, which I think awesome. will be excellent. Jamie's a one of my favorite target setters in the world. I mean, I think he does an amazing job. His dad, I kind of came up in the game every time Dave Peckham would come to the U.S. to set targets. I would drive to wherever the hell it was in the U.S. to go shoot him, and I'd go to the U.K. to shoot at Southdown in the old days. And I, you know, I studied his. I, I would know. If there was a shoot coming up the Dave Peckham set, I could give lessons on the kind of targets he was going to set. I knew them inside and out. And literally, I have people come take lessons just for that reason. Um, Interesting. So you could take his targets and replicate them, and that's... As best I could. I could replicate the style. I couldn't always replicate the speed. But, uh, yeah, a lot of that. A whole lot of that. I was coming to the UK quite a bit in the early 2000s. Um, Just had good opportunities to do it. And we'd come over sometimes. I said, hell, I stayed. Corey Cruz and I stayed like a month and a half one time shooting and teaching and just had a ball, had an absolute ball. Got to go on my first driven bird shoot while I was doing that and got to come over a couple other times to shoot How some driven birds. How did you like birds. a driven oh, bird freaking shoot in the I told somebody the other day, so I'm, I'm obviously American client said, you know, I got, a, got invited to go uh, – to go to England and shoot driven birds. Does, is it really, is it, is it really that fun? Is it worth it? I said, dude, if I hit the lottery, I would be in England every day of the driven season. I went the first time fully prepared to be underwhelmed that it was going to be like put out birds. You know, it's going to be like preserve hunting oh, over here. Yeah, yeah, oh, man, that's some challenging stuff and it's a beautiful scenery and it's great camaraderie and it's, you know, it's just not somebody up on the hillside throwing them up out of a box. They yeah. might drive 25, 30 acres up there to run the birds up. Yeah, and the rest, right? And yeah, the, rest. the whole enchilada, yeah. And it's it could be as pretentious as the hunt wants to be, and it could be as low-key as the hunt wants it's to be. It's as pretentious as the gang of guns, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes that, a little pretentious. That's the same in America, right? You get a bunch of it's going to be a hunt. You get a bunch of friends, it's going to be a friendly hunt. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. So you think U.S. has been good for TGS, huh? Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. If I could come back there like two or three months of the year and just hunt and shoot clays and tour around and actually have that as a reality, 100% it would be. But, you know, I'm a young man with a young family. and Well, I'm looking out the window here at the school, and there's a guest house across the yard. You can come stay whenever you want. I want to come stay in there for a bit. Why not? There you go. The uh, Will Fennell, Johnny Carter, clay tour of Georgia. That would be something right there. Yeah, so it's going to be bloody hot. Yes. Well, you know, eh, eh, heat. It didn't kill you. You know. I mean, you're there saying it was 38 Fahrenheit, and everyone found that cold. It was 38 Fahrenheit today. I was walking around in <laughs> a shirt. A couple. Of, it was a little cold. I definitely had some nipple erection issues. But <laughs> you keep your nipples okay. to yourself, okay? Okay. We're going to redact okay. any nipple comments from here on in. <laughs> 
All right, so one of the things I've noticed after your last trip to the U.S., listening to you on your infamous tubes, you're talking about your shooting goals now. You are more serious than ever about your own personal shooting, aren't you? I got bitten shooting that green course. <laughs> really weird. I shot it, and I shot some of the stands well. I shot some of them average, but I shot every one, and I was like, I could do this. Yeah. I could straight every one of these, except the last one with that midi. I'm not sure if I could straight that. I second barreled that thing. I hit it on the second barrel. It was so freaking far. I keep, I got, I'm not even sure how I saw it. Yeah. I, I, it's just a big target, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, we have those here too, you know. That was one of the first. It was funny shooting it with Neil. You know, he's basically American at this point. He's like, yeah, have a look at this one. I'm like, it's a big target. Proper. He set that course like an English course, and I really like huge loopers, huge crosses. But that's the sort of stuff I'm comfortable with. You should. Well, I can't remember. Was it on red course? There was that nasty midi shooting up the bank, like at head height. I couldn't hit that for shit. Like <laughs> that kind of stuff. As you said, there's certain things that Americans can hit that I just can't, and vice versa. But yeah, I shot that green course, and I just thought, you know what? I reckon it would be interesting to see how far I could push it. I, you know, I'm definitely not world champion material, but I, I just got the bug. You can I, shoot. I've watched you do it. And you know, thing. here's the thing about our nationals, and I'm, you know, I'll segue real quick, but come back. But the nationals themselves aren't that hard. It's the four days of the nationals, forty stations four 10, 10 station courses, it just gives you a lot of opportunity to screw up. And, you know, they don't have to make it super hard. They just make a lot of it. Yeah. And all you need to do is bin one stand and you're out of the running, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not missing out. It's not quite that bad. But if you if you mess up one stand, of course, you're damn sure out. Mm. You know? So, anyway, cool, man. So, you're going to push it. You're going to work with Ed or are you just going to try to figure it all out? Or? I mean, I am not Capable of figuring out my own issues. There is <laughs> way too many as you. Well, have I seen. think I think Mr. Solomon's is kind of on your way. You two are on the same wavelength. It might work out. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward S- to that. Stay out of the hot tub. Uh, never. <laughs> I mean, with it. <laughs> oh no, definitely. I mean, me and that man speak best when we're hot and wet. <laughs> so I had uh, I had fairly big plans. I'm changing gun this year, but I'm not going to get that till May. The competition that I do you like want to share this? Yeah, so I am moving over to Beretta. big announcement. Big announcement. Oh, this is a genuinely big announcement. I am moving to a Beretta DT11 L. Excellent. Uh, but because I wanted a couple of custom options, custom stock, a little bit of custom engraving, because I am a massive tart, as you probably realize. Oh, uh, tart! You're a tart. Yeah, I'm a tart. Tart. I don't know. Is tart's not probably an American word? Uh, we Would you call a woman a tart? So, what kind of custom engraving did you get? Uh, I wanted a rose on the trigger guard. Um, I had a, uh, f- a young family member pass away a couple of years ah, ago called Rose. Sorry. And that was a, I don't know, it's something I've wanted on a gun ever since. I was like, this is the gun. Like the DT11 will be good for me. I think I've shot one fairly extensively and it's, I mean, it's a sick gun. As you soft know. shooting gun for sure. I mean, I shot one for about three seasons. Uh, it's the- very soft shooting, typically very good patterning. Extremely um, good patterns. And just got to watch the barrel weight. You know, just don't let the barrels get too hefty. I mean, I'm a big boy. I know you're a big boy, but. And I'm going to have a fairly large, I'm going to have half a tree on the back of it. So <laughs> having a few extra grams in the barrels might not be too bad. There you go. 
I am denied about the carbon fiber rib um, and going for the DLC because it's you know it's black and it's cool and it's uh, oh, yeah. young, oh, which yeah. I still think I am. But yeah, <laughs> I, I I'm a, I'm a top. I want engraving. Yeah, I don't blame you. I I got a new gun and I love it. Yeah, I mean, I think you can be fairly frank. There's only there's probably five guns out there that are worth owning forever. And Especially in through the lens of a clay target competitor. Oh yeah, game shooting is is a very different thing, right? But as a clay target, certainly sporting clays competitor, there, there's five makers worth going to. And on uh, the outside, you've got one. I've got one. Yeah, it's about all that matters. And, um, and about I'd say realistically, they're the best too. Yep. Yep. I think that's a fair one to say. I know the anyone can yep. argue that out. There's a couple others that are good. That have got some fatal flaws that if you manage those fatal flaw kind of issues, I mean, all of them, we can break all of them and I've had all of them fail. Oh, um, hell yeah. Absolutely. Well, the quantity of shells you put through it and generally speaking, sporting clay shooters, most of the ones I know aren't very good at looking after their guns, especially right. the way, in fact, generally the more shells you shoot, the less you give a shit. That seems to be like the well, metric, doesn't just it? busy. The more shells you shoot, the more weekends you're shooting. So it's just like kind of one event to the next, to the next, to the next. You don't, you don't go home and take the damn thing apart and clean it every night because you got to get some sleep because you're back out there again tomorrow, you know? Do you think there'll be a point in the future where, like, uh, there's a pit crew, like in Formula <laughs> 1 or NASCAR? Like, oh, yeah. you get the professional oh. teams and they just they get to the end of the shoot and the pit crew takes the gun, scrubs it between the stands. It's like Kriegoff. That's the way they do it at Kriegoff. You didn't know that? Oh, yeah, but, like, I'm talking about just at every <laughs> single shoot. Are you saying? In fact, you've, you've, got, you've got Ed Solomon's in a box uh, every shoot, and you just let him out, and he comes out, scrubs your gun. Ed's never cleaned a gun in his life. I'm saying that's a ever, ever. You I looked down. I looked down his rib one day, and I swear I thought I saw tomato plants coming up out of the rib. <laughs> I can imagine it. <laughs> I can't imagine it. it was with uh, Josh Brown. He shoots uh, Parazzi, and you know he shoots a hell of a lot on the GB Fitas squad. Mm-hmm. Such a lovely guy. I'm looking at his gun. And the face of the barrels of ejectors are is black with tarnished rust. It, <laughs> it can't barely, rust anymore. It's, it's reason, rust blued. The only reason it's tight is because that rust has closed the gap on the face. <laughs> it's so much. You know, what is wrong with these professional shooters? Uh, yeah. I saw Anthony one time back when I was still at Beretta. He was having had problems with his Beretta automatic. And, he's, you know, we were there and the gunsmiths were there. And he hands it off for them to clean it. And it took a rubber mallet to get oh. the barrel off the 391. It wasn't the gun's problem. The gun had done great. He had shot it so much, we couldn't get it apart. Had to soak parts before we could bust the carbon loose to get the gun apart. I am guilty of something similar. When I was a gamekeeper out in Morocco, I had an AL391 that sat across the dash of my truck, as you do, because you're cool. And that thing sat there day and day out. I took it out to kill some stuff occasionally, of course, but it went straight back in the dash, sitting there in... Eating dust. Yeah, 100, 120 Fahrenheit heat. And um, one day they said, oh, you need to strip it and service it so we can take pictures for the record book. This is like a year and a bit into my tenure there. And I said, okay. Um, and I luckily at the time, there was a couple of older lads there. I was, what, 20 then. I gave it to one of them. I said, I can't, I can't do it. And I come out and he's got a wrench on it, beating it with a sledgehammer to try and get that. <laughs> I wish point he says, if you don't clean this daily, boy, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. I'm like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'm going to treat you like I'm treating this gun. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I'll, um, I'll, 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 I'll be good. I'll be good. But yeah, baby. you do need to look after these things. It's a pain in the ass, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Especially the autos. 
Um, so goals. Don't give me some kind of namby pamby. Oh, I just want to be better. That ain't a goal. I um. So there's a shoot every year called the Pro One Challenge. It's mm-hmm. at Arbery. It's sponsored by Hulk Cartridge, a sponsor of mine. It I've shot it every year for the last four years. It's a well, other than when it wasn't on in COVID, but yeah, it's a fantastic event. Like it's 120 birds, no rules, no. It's not registered with the CPSA, so it's there's a little bit of sporting, there's some fitask style singles, and there's a little bit of super sporting. So every stand's different. I think there's 13, 14, 15 stands, something like that. It's all set by Josh. He's one course setter of the year over here, two years in a row, and it's it's he's tasty. A great, he's a great guy. He really looked out to me last time over there. Yeah, he's, great love Barbary. He's, Shout out to Barbary. Uh, they, it's my favorite ground in the UK. You know, it might not be the most like stunning with mountains or anything, but the targets are always solid and everyone there is always welcoming and lovely. And you cannot ask for more than that. You can't. Absolutely. Um, I remember the first year we filmed it properly. He said, I bet you a fiver, you can't break an 80. And I think I shot an 89. Next year, he said, I bet you can't break a 90. This year, I want to break a 100. So I broke, I think I shot a 97 or something last year out of 120. How many bird event? Say again? How many birds in the event? 120. A 120, okay. 120. Yeah. And it's 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 a no-joke event, right? Like you, The super final will be, you'll be in it on a 113, 112, 113. Oh, they run a super final too, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you have to be- When is it? Uh, August. Well, uh, you better uh, get to work. Yeah, I don't get my gun till May, but between now and then- I mean, I a bit like you. I shoot three or four different guns a week. Get something that proximate, um, approximates the weight. Get to work. Yeah, you know, I think I don't know. Do you think that technique is technique is technique, or does it is it really that gun specific? Um, it. I don't think you need to have a different technique for a different gun, but I think your muscles get used to moving a certain amount of weight in a in a certain technique. Uh, you know, if you're used to, if you're shooting swing through, okay. And you're used to a real heavy gun and then you pick up my, my parkour, your timing's going to be a little off for a while. And you know, if you're used to shooting pull away and you're used to my little parkour and then you pick up a nine pound DT 11, um, you know, you can, your muscles are going to work different. I just think it, it's not exact, but you ought to be in the ballpark. All right. So how long? Before a competition where you actually want to do some damage, mm-hmm. how long will you not touch another gun for? Uh, like nationals, for instance, is a for instance. I went to Texas about two weeks before the event mm-hmm. to teach, and I would practice in the afternoons and stuff. And I only I put my gun in the buggy during the lesson. If I had a demo, I, I used my gun two three weeks, and that's enough for you to. No, I practice more than that, but that's enough for me to just stay with old yeah, Betsy, yeah, sure. with that's my gun. And wean yourself off of shooting every yeah. other brand, every other make, every other gun. Every other rib, every other glowworm front sight, every other action type, uh, you know. You demo what's, with side what's by side. the worst gun you've ever shot along the course of this mission? Well, the, not the worst. What's the hardest? What's the one that you had to work with? the hardest? Yeah. High rib color. Interesting. Yeah. Anything with a high rib is a struggle for me. Well, no, and then just- you add the extra weight and bulk of a color. I mean, some people thrive on that, which is not my cup of tea. I like a flat rib and I like a very dynamic gun. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
matter of fact, in my Beretta days, I liked the DT-10 much better than I liked the DT-11. I mean, that's The first 11s were really porky. They had barrels in the 168 range. Wow. You know, stuff like that. And then they kind of lightened them up back up to closer to the old DT. Yeah, 16, 16, 10. Yeah. 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 Even some 157s and stuff like that. So, yeah, heavy and high ribs, that's the biggest problem. And that's always been the case for you, you just like a fast handling gun. Mm, I like a easy handling gun. I don't move it so fast, but I love the ability to change directions, to transition from one target to the other better. I like a neutral balance. I feel like my mount is better when each hand is holding an equal amount of weight. Mm-hmm. And I love a flat rib. If you think about it, you're you're the you're the student of the gun that I love to talk to. You know, field guns evolved over the decades to have a flat rib and a bit of drop to the comb. Mm-hmm. Huh? Flat shooting, see no rib, point where you shoot, kill what you're looking at. Yep, so it's, a, it's a simple center. A high rib sure. gun, you know, in sporting clays is just a trap gun being adapted to sporting clays. Now. There's a lot you know, of people do t- that very, very well, though. Absolutely. I'm not saying it can't be done. And 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 if it looks like a trap shot, it's like cheating. You know? Oh, it's yeah. easy. They just don't all look like trap shots. Yeah. And anything with an arcing or curving line, that, that higher rib, the canting of the gun gets to be a bigger and bigger problem. Yeah. So, I mean, I am denied about moving to a high rib for... Well, I say a high rib, a midi- medium rib, a step-up rib, whatever you call it. What a sporting shooter would call a high rib, 10 yeah. mil step. It's tough, right? I shoot one really well. I I mean, I shot a 6.2X trap for years when I was younger. I really loved that. It's a great gun. Again, it's a trap gun, but you can adapt it nicely. Uh, when I was at the Krieger factory last year, I shot the, the pro rib that big beast and i remember thinking this is this is not my cup of tea i shot it better than i've ever shot anything else like I've, i felt weird about that but i've shot step up ribs for a good portion of my life so it came very naturally and i'm struggling i took uh, we've got a video coming out in a couple of weeks time of it's called high rib versus flat rib and i took a browning high rib and a browning flat rib my browning flat rib out to stick them both against each other just to see if i could figure out which was better for me and they are so good at different things. Exactly as you said, there was on the last station I shot, there was a big crosser. Well, it was a, a little trap bird followed by a big left to right crosser. And the trap bird, I mean, I could kill it five yards off the arm and it didn't feel like I had to work hard to do that. And the crosser I broke well, but I I struggled to see what the real benefit of either was. They both won for different things, right? They both felt good for different mm-hmm. things. Like. I struggle with that because I really thought one would come out on top and the, the difference would be massive. And they're not th- as big as some people would make out. Yeah, it's always – it's hard to, to do what you're talking about, trying to say, well, this is better for this for the same shooter because the, the shooter is going to have a background of a flat rib or a background of a high oh, rib. Yeah. Or, so, you know, in the big scheme of things, is it the end of the world? Just shoot the same thing all the time. You'll be okay. <coughs> That's probably the reality is they're both great. I just need to stick with one for at least two or three weeks before a competition. Yeah. And get some shells through the damn thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, congrats on going to a new gun. Is this kind of a new relationship with Beretta kind of thing? Or 
Yeah, so I, after we did that factory tour a couple of years ago, I honestly, up until that point, I kind of just viewed Beretta as just meh, it's Beretta in it. They, they're just the big dog, blah, blah, blah. They're just a big company. And actually, when you go there, all of the people who are there are really lovely. Mm-hmm. Like They are individually passionate. And it's, it was a very different thing to what I imagined. And then we went back and we filmed the the film on the um, Steelium Barrels because I made a comment in a video a little while ago saying I just thought it was trash. I thought it was marketing bullshit. And they invited me out and said, no, come, we'll show you. We'll show you that it's not. We'll put you on the test. We'll let you shoot the gun. We'll strap you up to the pads. And they really did prove that there was a difference. Certainly with steel shot, it was a remarkable difference. Yeah. yeah. Well, think about it. It'd have to. That longer taper would have to favor steel shot. Yeah, right. But to, to, the, to an extent that I, wow, yeah. Just yeah. genuinely, I was like, they really should tell more people about the stuff that we weren't allowed to tell people about. Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand. I think it was because it devalues their standard barrels. It doesn't devalue them. It would just make people want the higher ones, but to an extent that I would right. probably prefer a higher one if the option was there. Yeah. Hands down. Um, and then we um, came on the market for, not came on the market for new gun sponsors. I wasn't really looking for one. I was quite enjoying being a free agent. And I had a phone call when we chatted about a couple of things and a few things that we wanted to film next year with them, a couple of gun releases they have coming out. And they're like, hey, what gun are you shooting? I was like, whatever the f*** I want. They <laughs> said, would you? I'm like, yeah, I really would, actually. Like, what? It's one of the best guns ever made. And if I was going to move to something and promote it, it's one of the few that I would. So, and now DT-11, boy. How? Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like a real adult. I never forget. Um, I only ever had. I shot DTs for sixteen years. DT tens and elevens. Wow! And I only ever had triggers go down twice. And over the course but, of that time, you did what? Nearly half a million rounds. Oh no, more than that! Wow, <laughs> one point wow. three two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my! Yeah, that was in my formative years. I was shooting a lot more shells. Wow! But both times. I was in shoot-offs and fit-ass events, big fit-ass World Cup events. Interesting. And both times, I, I carried my spare trigger. I would I'd get a spare trigger, put it in the gun, make sure it worked, then take it out, oil it up, and take the uh, vacuum seal, the food saver, and vacuum seal it and throw that in my range bag. And that way, it kept moisture out and dust out and stuff. So both times I had a failure, I just reached out of my bag, took the pocket knife, slid open the vacuum seal, plugged it in the gun, and won the shoot-off. Oh, that is sick. What? How does that work in a shoot-off when you have a mechanical failure? Are you allowed to do over? Just just any, you know, you ask for a chance to check your gun. Nice. I mean, I lost the target. I, I, I had, it was a gun malfunction, so you get a gun malfunction. So okay. get it over. Yeah. So when you get a gun malfunction in task, you are allowed to... Sort mm-hmm. your gun and have another go at the mm-hmm. target. If you can do it right then on the spot. Oh, yes. so this suddenly makes a lot more sense. Like yeah. why, why so and and you know them. better than anybody else. We yeah. need dropout triggers in guns that have flat springs. Oh, we yeah. shoot a Craig off, runs on coil springs. You don't need a dropout trigger because the coil springs don't break, but they lose tension in a micro amount every time it cycles. So once every yeah. year or so, you put fresh springs in. So pick your poison. For the cost of a coil spring, I mean, a flat spring costs a bit more to make, but for the cost of a coil spring, I, it always bizarre to me when I was gunsmithing. The people were like, I was like, do you want new pins and springs? How much? 
<laughs> what are the parts? Let's say on a. Yeah. I've already uh, taken the damn thing apart. That's more expensive than the springs yeah, and pins. You're in for like two hours of labor, three hours of labor. The pins on a Browning are 26 pounds each and the springs are 16 pounds each. This is going to guarantee you another year, two yeah. years, three, four years of hard work. Just, yeah, just do it. Yeah, right. For the certainly with something like a Kragoff, the gun's twenty thousand bucks minimum. Like over there, is that is that what a standard rate costs? Yeah, uh, what's a standard one? Probably. I mean, the exchange rate's not that bad now. It's probably sixteen thousand. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, it's about it's about thirteen here. Yeah. Street price. I mean, retail's like fourteen. We that have, um, right. yeah, but you—that's pre-tax for you, minus yeah. including. Yeah, yeah. So you take twenty percent off of that. So it's probably yeah. it's basically the same. Yeah, yeah. I um, well, good for you, you man. Not, a new gun's you, exciting. It gives you. It's like a purpose and a and a. Are you going to build a custom stock for it? Or? Yes, it's going to have a custom stock. Uh, considering a long forend, but I don't mind having my hand over the end of the forend. You know, there's something kind of I've got kind of used to feeling the end of the knob in my hands. Keep that to yourself. Oh, sorry. This is a yeah. uh, this is a family show. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I did a gun fitting video with um the Gunfoot Company a little while ago just to check all of my guns because probably the same as you. You've had a lot of custom socks. They're all different, but you shoot them all well, providing you can shoot. I got one guy I work with. I work with Jim Greenwood. I think he's the man. He has a hell of a reputation. Yeah. So I just. I just give myself up unto Jim. Jim, whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Just build it and I'll shoot it. So he's the man. Anthony was just out at Jim's. Mm-hmm. Anthony's got the new SL2. That is such a cool uh, guy. I can't wait to see it. Jim called me and told me all about it, but I can't wait to see it. But he says there's a new choke tube system and bores. And- oh, no, it's Shot Show. It's been released. Yeah, yeah that's right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. I didn't say anything now. Yeah, but yeah. um it's uh yeah that is pretty sick yeah yeah pretty sick it's next level it's he- got- he's, jim said it was almost nine pounds it's a little heavier than i thought it'd be it's a lump so i mean i've not shot the pre the full production really i've held the pre-production and i held that launch edition i shot the launch edition i remember shooting it and thinking yeah this is a gun and i spoke to them about that and they spoke to me about it but i shot a what $35,000 gun for a few years it would be nice to shoot one that's a little bit more accessible <laughs> and I know it's probably sounds I don't know you're a, a pretty good tart man you need that you need that yeah I've still got like a few tight guns we're not worried <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's um I've, I borrowed an SL3 for a game day the other day and I phoned uh, GMK the Britter and ported the UK up and said you ain't getting this back until you need it this is <laughs> it's pretty it makes me yeah. feel yeah, yeah those feel good yeah something like it yeah that SL2 is sick I look forward to seeing what Anthony can do with that right yeah. it's interesting with the DT and Beretta Longthorn is a great gun a really enjoyable gun but there's not the pressure to, to sort of display what it can do like there is with a DT-11 you see the the top boys shooting them suddenly a lot of the pressure this year is because that gun can do its stuff and I yeah. almost want to just for maybe this year and definitely next year just spend a couple of years and prove a point so or two why don't you like this year at Nationals make that a little bit of a goal too and like shoot earlier in the week and go ahead and shoot the main event I think that's on and the then do more of the filming later in the week. 
I think that's on the cards. I might come out before the boys and actually just have a pop. I think that's going to be worth a go. Okay. And, if you um, if you want to come, do. you want to come a little early. I'll be in Westside Sporting Grounds, my Texas home. Um, I'll be there for two weeks before, and oh. they got a lovely, lovely place to warm up and get ready. I mean, that does sound like a good idea. We'll come yeah. shoot a few targets and then go and um, not embarrass myself on the main event. But we'll You're see what we can do. But you know, no, you know as well as I do that there is going to be some kind of mistake involving beers and barbecue in between one Absolutely. of those. Days. We need to get there two weeks early and get that out of the way. Yeah, that's probably right, and just get like a. Or maybe I'll be teetotal by that point. That's probably wise. Probably. I should not. point out, guys, I'm not an alcoholic in the slightest. But when you catch up with friends like once a year, yeah, it's easy. Accidents happen. Accidents happen. It's like and a slip and fall event. Yeah. It's a slip and fall event. Exactly. Yeah, and you've got to be on peg in 30 minutes. You get dressed, grab your gun, get uh, <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, it's been great catching up with you. And I, if you don't mind, I'd love to do this periodically. Get the, UK, get the UK report for the Fennel Podcast. How about that? I, I like that idea, man. Please tell the crowd I said hello. Will do. Sasha, Mr. Solomons, Mr. Lyons. Josh, miss everybody. I, I'm gonna. I'll just wear a little T-shirt. That says Will Fennel says hello. Like, <laughs> you got a hat. You need to wear the hat. Yeah. I, I do wear that hat. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, anything else? Anything Not else good. you need to tell America? I appreciate y'all guys. There you go. I even yeah. said y'all. Just for we you. appreciate you, man. You are you are famous here in the states. Yeah, yeah I'll take the Z list. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hang it up for us, buddy. Take care. All right, mate. I'll catch up with you soon. See ya. Thanks for joining us. Remember to subscribe on YouTube and Spotify to The Clay Lab. That way you never miss an episode. We'll catch you here next time on The Fennel Podcast. <laughs>